The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to create a life that's intentional and dynamic? Welcome to The Intentional Spirit with your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome, everyone. And again, I always, first and foremost, like to thank all of you, the intentional spirits out in our audience that listen to our show that share the show with others and that get involved with the possibility of what it's like for all of us every day to be in the practice of being an intentional spirit. I clearly like to say it's not like going to one class, one program, one workshop, and forever the rest of your life has changed. We do it steps at a time and we make choices every day as to whether we are intentional towards our dream and goals or whether we're giving a lot of energy, perhaps too much, to things that we no longer want in our lives. It's a choice. It's a daily choice. And every leader, every person with credentials, we are all in that same space of making those choices. Along the way, someone comes along that is a great influencer that has the possibility of helping us see things in ways that we have not. So it's my pleasure to have on our show today the one and only Bob Berg. He is the amazing creator, along with John David Mann, of The Go-Giver. And they have a series of The Go-Giver material, but it has transformed the way many people in spiritual communities, the way many people in corporate communities, the way they language, the way they look at things. They have mastered the art of taking ancient parable storytelling and transforming lives. Well, Bob, it's apparent that I really like you. (laughs) Well, I feel the same way about you. You have a way of making everybody feel so special. I am so grateful uh, to you. I met you uh, many years ago uh, when you were just launching The Go-Giver, and I've been somewhat spellbound ever since. Um, The Go-Giver just keeps on giving, doesn't it? Uh, well, thank you. Yeah, and you know, it's it's been very much a blessing to uh, to us on on what we call Team Go Giver, our our publisher agent, the different people who have helped us really put this together, uh, and people who are always out there promoting the message. It's amazing. This is certainly a uh, very much a team effort. It's not uh, not just John and me. Well, I it's it's an idea whose time has come, basically, and um and and people keep. Uh, wanting more and 
Um, in my own, you know, humble opinion, there's uh, Stephen Covey and all the materials that continue to come from that organization. And then there's what you're doing uh, with the Go-Giver. And then there's Don Miguel Ruiz with the continuation of the four agreements. Mm-hmm. And that kind of sums it up. And those are three must-haves in your life is the awareness of those three authors, the material and the energy. Because if you have those three in your toolbox, you're set for life. You really don't need to look any further. Wow. Um, that that being said, um, we we still have people that you're new to that are not aware. Um, so I'd like to take people back a little bit. And sure. how did you and John decide one day, have a download, and how long ago was that that you decided we need a book out there called The Go-Giver? And kind of walk <laughs> us through a little bit of the history and then how it's continued to unfold. Sure. Well, years ago, I had a book out um, called, and I've been in the, the sales teaching space for quite a while. And back in the 90s, I had a book out called Endless Referrals. Uh, the subtitle was Network Your Everyday Contacts into Sales. And it was for people who basically were in sales. Uh, they believed in their product. They understood the value it provided. But they didn't feel comfortable uh in the prospecting process, meeting new people, developing those relationships that really lead toward an ongoing sustainable sustainable business. And so uh, Endless Referrals was really a traditional how-to book on, on just how to do that. But throughout the years, I'd always read business parables and always enjoyed them. I, I always felt a connection to them and and uh, would would enjoy the stories and the information that was shared. And I, I you know, for a while I had thought it would be kind of neat to take the basic premise of endless referrals, which was that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. And take that that premise and put it into a story. So around 2003, 2004, I began really uh, thinking about that uh, deeply. And in, in terms of titling it, coming up with an idea for a title, I just asked myself the question, what is the the main um, attribute, if you will, of someone who is developing those know, like, and trust relationships. And and it really came down to they give. Uh, they give value. They're focused on creating value for everyone who's, whose lives they touch. Uh, they do this who, because it's who they are, and because it's who they are, that's what they do. So kind of came up with the name, The Go-Giver, and while it sounds like it's the opposite of The Go-Getter, it's really not, because we also like (laughs) go-getters, because go-getters take action. So we like people to be both go-getters, people of action, and go-givers, people who are focused on on bringing great value to others. So we'd say the opposite of a go-giver is a go-taker, someone who's focused just on taking. But um, So around 2005, uh, I called John David Mann, who is the he was the editor in chief of a magazine I used to write for, and in the niche that John was in, uh, which was a you know a very kind of small niche, few people knew about him 
But fortunately, I did know about him <laughs> because he's a genius. He's, he's just a great, great writer. He's so talented and brilliant. And as brilliant and talented as he is, he's just as nice a person. And he's very humble. And he was the one who I wanted to be the, the lead writer and storyteller on this. I knew John could take the ideas and that we could work on it together. But with his craftsmanship and ability to you know spin a tale, uh, I thought we could do something with this. So... I basically asked John if he would be interested, and he was actually on his way out to Hollywood to begin a career as a screenwriter, and he almost didn't do this, but he thought, oh, you know, it's Bob, uh, I need to at least consider it, and, and he and his fiance at the time, now his wife, Anna, they kind of decided, yeah, maybe this would be a good thing, and as John says now, I've ruined his Hollywood career because he's now gone on to become the, the sought-out co-author and ghostwriter for so many other authors and publishers. So uh, that's wow. really how that's it That's impressive. It totally changed his path. Yeah, yeah. So it's, you know, it's been a lot of fun. And again, he's just been a joy to, to work with, and we have this great publisher. You know, we got turned down by 25 or 27 publishers uh, over the course of a year when our agent was shopping this around. So it's not as though it just got picked up right away. But how it often happens is the exact right publisher for us, uh, you know, came along when the time was right, and they've been a fantastic publishing partner. What a beautiful story. And and the demands um, have been going uh, for you ever since. Um, let's highlight a little bit because when when we talk about go giver and you know when you live in that world as much as you do or certain things that I teach, you know I just live in it so much and I actually yes, think you, do. you know everybody kind of knows exactly uh, the way I mean it. Um, I I. I follow a lot of the stories and always have, uh, regardless of my involvement with Unity, um, I have always followed a lot of the stories about Ernest Holmes, you know, of how he would travel. He's the founder of Science Mind Magazine and how he would travel and people would offer him a place to stay in his travels, he and his wife. And, and then, you know, months later or years later, they would find that he had left a lot of money in a cookie jar. Mm-hmm. Um Myself and my um, my wife, when we go to a hotel, it's funny because um, we usually leave the hotel cleaner than how we found it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so we're living from this premise of, and so I'm just checking in with you, not needing to talk about me, but I'm just looking at examples. Uh, and obviously you have, uh, you know, so many in, in the corporate profession, and we have a lot of those listeners, but... When I think about that, it's it's like when I also think about like going to a restaurant and that is not my waiter. That is Tom, who is a person who has a story, who has a life, who has children, who really matters. And my experience is more than I can't wait for you to serve and wait on me. Um, it's more about we're in this together and I'd like to know more about you. Okay, so that that would be one way that to me would be a go giving kind of action Um, and um, acknowledgement and and being more uh, obviously not coming from that. I'm here to just get and I'm here to take like you made a reference to of the distinction between the go giver and the go um, taker. taker. Uh, It amazes me even in corporate America or church America 
how many people and officers and ministers work with people and they don't even know where they've come from. They don't know their stories. They don't know their background. They don't give as a go-giver energy to that of how much that matters. So those are just some thoughts that are coming to me and, and I give it back to you. <laughs> no, I, well, I agree. And I, I think the person who, uh, who would, who would be a go-giver, if you will, is that person who's focused. What we like to say is it's moving from an I or me focus to an other focus looking for ways to bring value to others. Now, this should never be confused as being a doormat or or a martyr or self-sacrificial. Absolutely not at all. It simply means that your focus, it, it's congruent with your values to always want to make another person feel valued, always want to make another person feel genuinely good about themselves. Uh, again, it's it's who you are, and because it's who you are, that's what you do. And, uh, you know, I think when we do that, we're congruent with our, our values. And really, I, you know, I define happiness itself as a genuine and ongoing feeling of joy and peace of mind, the result of living congruently with one's values. That's really powerful. It's like uh, people that do energy work or energy medicine or that are healers are people that spend a lot of time in meditation, et cetera, that are giving to others. Um, it, it shows on them, you know, they wear it, you know what I mean? I mean, when, when somebody's around and I, I can pick them out of a crowd, uh, because they are lighter, they're like light beings. They have a glow about them and you can pretty much say, you know, do you work in the healing arts? Do you work with people? Are you a practitioner? And 99.9% .9 they go, absolutely. So <laughs> the giving of oneself is, and, and that's the part, right? And that's the part that uh, your audience and the people that are involved with you professionally, corporate wise and otherwise, um, not to keep dividing, but just to clarify um, that it applies to everybody, um, is that we cannot be a go-giver and not have our lives totally transformed. Yeah, well, I think that's so, so very important to understand. And what the giving does, too, is it, it sets in motion a very natural way of receiving. So just like the waiter you were talking about, so as this person, let's say, is very focused on providing an excellent dining experience for you, which is more than just the food itself, uh, they're looking to make you feel welcome, they're creating that atmosphere for you, and they're looking to do that, you're looking to give value to them, not just in the tip that you're leaving, but in the honor you show them, uh, in involving them, uh, you know, with the meal and so forth. Uh, you know, I know when I go to a restaurant and the waiter comes over and says, hi, my name is, you know, Pat, uh, you know, we usually, oh, this is Kathy, I'm Bob, you know, and, and we make it a bit, you know, and, I, and of course, different people have different ways of doing things, but I think it's always looking to give value and be open to receiving that value that someone's giving you. In the corporate environment or the corporate context, it would mean that uh, as you're marketing or selling a product or service, you understand that the focus must be on providing a great experience through your product, service, and overall experience toward the uh, consumer, but then also being willing to, as a result of that fantastic value you're providing, being able to receive payment for that. This is why we say that money is simply an echo of value. 
attached really the thunder, if you will, to values lightning. So the value is the focus. Your focus is on the other person, providing them exceptional value. And then the money you receive is simply a very natural and direct result of the value you provide. And I think Ernest Holmes would agree with that. And certainly everyone I know from Unity, <laughs> that seems to be congruent with uh, you know their philosophy as well. It's, I love what you're saying, and, and to me, that's um, why I, I named this show, you know, Intentional Spirit, uh, because it, uh, giving and, and the word intention, uh, they're very powerful and, and strong words, and it helps people line up to, you know, who they are and what they value about, about themselves, and um, uh, my teacher told me, you know, in my, in my late twenties that we're not here to solve all the problems of the world Our if we just consider and take to heart and make it serious that our main intention is to not to be one of the problems of the world by far, the world will be a better place because we lived in it. And that <clears throat> I think is a very powerful statement. Oh, it really is. Goodness, and yes. it puts a lot of things into perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ab- absolutely. So, um, Bob, if you go to um, the, the gogiver.com, the gogiver.com, then you'll see that there was the first book, The Go-Giver, and then Go-Givers Sell More. Mm-hmm. And keep yes. in mind, no matter what you do, if you're a speaker, you're a parent, <laughs> You're running a Fortune 500 company. You're selling. (laughs) So don't be confused by that. Right, Bob? Exactly. Um, If you are a a go-giver leader, uh, they have a book specifically for that. And now we have the newest book, The Go-Giver Influencer. Did you want to talk about that a little bit today? Yeah, well, you know, it's it's interesting with that one because while influence has always been part of, of all of the books we've written, John and I really felt that with what's happening in today's world and the environment uh, that we have today, political and business and so forth and so on, that really the topic of influence was perhaps one we should drive deeper into. You know, Temple, we are, are living in an age right now in the way people – I'll put air quotes around the word communicate with one another. And while we see this mostly, you know, on uh, uh, Twitter or Facebook, social media, we also see it at family gatherings and at social gatherings. That it's it, that that debate has almost now gone from "I'm right, you're wrong" to "I'm right, you're evil." And that's really sad because I would think that our consciousness as humanity would have grown to the point that that would no longer be a thing. But it it's, it seems to become just the opposite. And when we see the vitriol uh, and you know the the insults and the the spewing of inhumanity, we just you know we we said wow uh, you know it's time to to maybe bring a book out that that sends the message that we can communicate with people, even people we disagree with, but communicate in a way that we honor their humanity, we honor their intent, and we look to find common ground uh, as opposed to you know, as opposed to uh, 
divisiveness. And that's really why we wrote the book. And again, we did it through a business parable where it's two people who, while they, while each one, the buyer and the seller, wants what the other has, so you think, wow, this would be a, a business marriage made in heaven. It turns out that um, it's anything but that. <laughs> and in their, their first few conversations, they seem to grow further and further apart which is sort of a microcosm of, uh, you know, of what's been happening lately. I love that. Um, I know for me, the, the personal transformation for me, because like so many, I, uh, in the early phases of my life, was just very preoccupied with climbing the ladder to success. I didn't know where the ladder would end, and I didn't even really know at that time what would I eventually call success? Nor did I realize I would just keep making it something bigger. You know, so it was like this self-fulfilling prophecy that would never fulfill itself mm -hmm. because it was just, just being driven that this is what you do and, you know, those kind of things. And, and often from place to place, you know, of just um, not meaning it on purpose, but having some kind of subtle agenda um, but I have found the most powerful place to come through now and to come through and from is um, I don't want anything from anyone. And, and that's an interesting way to live um, because um, you have no expectation. And I think it's an interesting dynamic when we can come from that place. And the, the reason I'm sharing that and articulating it in such a way is I believe the premise of your parables, they, they help people see that, that if you're just coming from the place of being your best self and, and realizing the values that drive you, everything else takes care of itself. Yeah. You know, I think when we can, when we can, um, lose our attachment to things having to be a certain way, we live our lives with a lot more joy. Uh, we can prefer a certain outcome if, if that's what we, you know, if that's what we want. Um, and if we prefer something and it comes to us, great, you know, we preferred for it to happen. But if we don't get that thing, if we're not attached to it, that's okay too. And while some people would question, well, but if you're not attached to it, are you going to work that hard to get it? Or, yeah, absolutely. Actually, you will. Because all a lack of attachment means is your sense of happiness and peace of mind is not dependent upon that specific thing happening. So I think when we can do that, we're really a step up. And that allows us to be a kinder person. It allows us to be a more giving person. And it also allows us to receive a lot more graciously as well when, when that's appropriate. I think one of the most powerful examples of that is when you were talking early on about the book, because had John David Mann been determined of what he thought was his highest path, um, he would have missed out on this incredible opportunity mm -hmm. a great point. of everything that this book has had to offer. If he had that level of attachment to know I'm going to be this, I'm going to Hollywood and this is what I'm going to do. Um, it's that, it's that, uh, I, I think in scripture it says that a lot and, at first, I always read that um, 
in my early days of growing up, which means up until I was about 50, (laughs) 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 you know, that I would, I would, I would hear, you know, because in scripture, it's in there a lot uh, for those people that do follow that path about having the eyes to see and the ears to hear. And I would take that as the, the five senses. Now, of course, that has an entirely different meaning for me. (laughs) That mm-hmm. that inner wisdom, that mm-hmm. inner listening, that deep awareness of hearing the nonverbal of the space between those pauses of when you're in communication and how that impacts and affects everybody around, because most communication is about what isn't spoken. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, I love that. I love that. And I think that's where that lack of attachment allows you to key on in a, in a, uh, sensing base. Um, because if you are attached, you're so, uh, uh, energetically focused on the thing itself that you, that you do not allow yourself to go past the surface and hear what is really there to be heard and see what is really there to be seen. That's so powerful. Well, um, give us a story of, uh, I, I know you have uh, tens of thousands and more, um, but one of those stories that you put in your file folder, in your in your email uh, grouping uh, accolades or something about the book that on a, on a rainy day, you'd love to read a story like that. Give us one of those stories that we can sit with and kind of uh, think about before we go to a short break. Oh, goodness. Um, let's see. You mean in the business sense of maybe someone, how they, they uh, took the principles and it maybe turned yeah. things around for them? Any, anything that comes to mind. Yeah, yes, okay. uh, absolutely. Well, one, yeah, one that comes to mind is a, a um, house uh, roofer in uh, Pennsylvania who wrote to us that during the economic downturn uh, about 10 years ago, his business was really suffering like like all his, his uh, fellow roofers were. And he did the same thing they did. He kind of pulled back and tried to to give as little as he could and try, you know, to try to save money and make ends meet and do this and do that and so forth. He read The Go-Giver, and he realized that it was about finding ways to create value for the clients, which didn't have to cost money. That wasn't the issue, but it was creating that experience. And he just kept asking himself a different question, and that was, in what way can I give value that's not costing me, you know, additional money. And his business began to pick up and pick up and pick up. And as he said, it went through the quote unquote roof. And that was a, that was just a, a an email I, I delighted in receiving. Oh yeah. It, it, it makes everything matter, doesn't it? I just it, it get really melted does. when I get a note or a comment like that. It was just like, okay, it's just such a, a rejuvenating kind of energetic thing. Mm-hmm, I, wa- I want to remind everybody that you can take the time to go to GoGiver, thegogiver.com, and you can uh, purchase the book. You can learn more about Bob and, and John and the work they're doing in the world because it doesn't, um, there's not enough time in an hour to fully describe all that they're about and everything they, they stand for. Uh, check us out also at firstunity.org or templehays.com. 
We'd love to have you continue learning or, or, or us learning about you in either way. listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. When listeners like you contribute to Unity Online Radio, you're making a positive difference in your life and the lives of other spiritual seekers. Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate to make a one-time donation. Or sign up for monthly contributions. Thank you for your support. Here's Eric Butterworth with a Unity Mindful Moment. Unfortunately, religions have tended to present themselves as institutions instead of perceptions, something you join instead of a transcendence that you experience. We've tended to believe that God works exclusively through the machinery of an institution. So it is self-evident that most persons believe that you go to church to get close to God. The fact is, if God is present in the church, God is also present in the theater. God is present, period, because God is an online presence, everywhere present. So you don't go to church to get close to God. But you go to church, perhaps, hopefully, to be challenged to dig within yourself and to find that consciousness of the presence that is with you wherever you go. So that wherever you go, wherever you are, God is. To pick up the Eric Butterworth book, Practical Metaphysics, go to unity.org and click on Shop. Have you looked at Unity Magazine lately? It's been beautifully redesigned, and it's full of interesting in-depth articles and interviews from today's spiritual thought leaders. You'll find science, spirituality, and healing with a look at Eastern philosophies and completely new ways to interpret the Bible, plus the latest spiritual books and music. There's a little news from Unity Village, and some of your questions might be answered too. Get a free trial issue at unitymagazine.org. If you've been on a spiritual path for a long time, what can you read that's new and exciting? Try Unity Magazine. It's designed for the seasoned spiritual student with in-depth articles and interviews about spiritual practices and philosophies. Our columnists share their own faith journeys and cover healing, science, and psychology with even a little scripture thrown in. You'll read some classic authors and some new ones. Get a free trial issue at unitymagazine.org. Stretch your mind and open your heart every Thursday at 10 a.m. Central with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien and the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way. Gain insights into spiritual principles that touch upon the most practical aspects of our lives, like work, relationships, health, and diet. Discover time-tested practices from the ancient system of Kriya Yoga, a philosophy for living a more fulfilled life in today's hectic world. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back to The Intentional Spirit 
with Reverend Temple Hayes. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. If you're just coming on, we're talking to Bob Berg, who for a decade, along with his partner, John David Mann, have been featuring the ideas of what it means to be a giver, what it means to be a leader and an influencer with the series of books, starting with the first one, The Go-Giver. You can go to thegogiver.com and explore more. I'd love to also invite you to check out our our message is what we represent here at firstunity.org. We're an international, interdenominational movement of positive life and experiences of inclusivity and diversity. Join in with us and also join me at templehaze.com. We have ongoing activities. Um, Bob, when we're talking about uh, the recent book, The Go-Giver, The Influencer, let's address, because I always get Uh, so much benefit myself personally. I know everyone else does on uh, some of the principles of the book. You gave us kind of the overview, kind of the the purpose of the book um, in today's times, how we are coming from this place and the value of standing up and being an influencer. But let's get to the core of, of some of the key principles that are beneficial to the reader and why they want to get a copy of the book, either on Kindle or um, Amazon, et cetera. Sure. Well, you know, there are, there are five basic principles and, and of what we call genuine influence. And the first one is to master your emotions. The, uh, the sages of old asked, who is a, a mighty person? And they answered, that person who is strong enough to control their own emotions and make of an enemy or of a potential enemy a friend. And this is really where it all starts, because it's only when we can control our own emotions, when we're in control of ourselves, that we're even in a position to take a potentially negative situation or person and turn it into a win for everyone involved. Yet how often, based on what someone else says or does, that that you know we allow to kind of trigger our emotional hot button, uh, do we cause ourselves to be frustrated or annoyed or angry, right? And we, we say or do something that is totally counterproductive. And we think, well, we know better than this, so why do we do it? And I think the answer is because we're human and we're emotional creatures. Uh, we'd like to think we're logical, but we're pretty emotion-based. We make major decisions based on emotion. We back up those emotional decisions with logic, which you know, we rationalize, which I guess if you take the word rationalize and, and cut it in two, it means we tell ourselves rational lies, which we do to justify this decision we've made. So um, in being aware of this, you know, we like people to know we're not suggesting that you deny your emotions or that you forego your emotions. Not at all. Emotions are a, a wonderful part of life. They They bring us joy. They make life worthwhile. However, it's important that we are the master of our emotions as opposed to our emotions being the master of us. Or like my great friend and a mentor of mine, Don Scumachi, says, take your emotions along for the ride, but make sure you are driving the car. And I think that's just you know very important for us to constantly keep in mind. The 
The second principle is to step into the other person's shoes, which sounds you know trite. We've certainly all heard that before, but and it maybe sounds easy until we realize that most of us have different size feet. So we're literally, we can't step into another person's shoes. Figuratively, we can't step into another person's mind or their head because we're not them. We come from different belief systems, different backgrounds, different ways of seeing the world. So what we can do in order to step into their shoes is we can ask questions and then listen. But rather than listen to in order just to talk, right, that's the surface listening that most people do. One of the mentors in the story says, listen with your eyes, listen with your posture, listen with the back of your neck. In other words, really put your entire being into listening to this person. And when you do, two great things will happen. One is you'll actually have more knowledge about what motivates this person, what this person wants, what they need, what they desire. And then secondly, when you listen like this, the other person feels heard. They feel listened to. They feel understood. And it's a very basic element of human nature. We want to feel understood by that other person. And when that's the case and we feel that way, feel understood, we like this person more, we trust this person more, and we're much more likely to be open to their ideas. The the third one, and this is one of my favorites, this is set the frame. And setting the frame is so important that when you do this, and you do this correctly, you're really 90 to 95% of the way to, to attaining the result you want. And a frame can be defined as the foundation from which everything else evolves. May I share a story with you? I think it's my all-time favorite frame story. I would love that, of course. Well, this took place in a, a Dunkin' Donuts, and anyone who knows me knows I'm a, a Dunkin' Donuts person. I love to go there and have coffee and read. So I'm there one afternoon, and there's a a little boy, probably two, two and a half years old, a toddler, and he's running around the, the restaurant when his parents call him over to the table. So he starts to walk toward the table, and as he does, he takes a spill on the floor. You know, he uh, he slips. Now, he didn't hurt himself, you could, you could tell, but you could also tell that he was surprised. He was shocked. This was obviously not something that had happened to him before, and he just didn't know what to make of it. So immediately he looks at the two people he trusts most in the world, his mom and dad, and he looks at them in order to get their interpretation of the event. What happened happened. He wanted to know, okay, what comes next? <laughs> And I truly believe, Temple, that had his parents gotten upset uh, and panicky and, oh, no, are you okay? He would have started to cry. But what they did is they handled it beautifully. They they walked over quickly, but very calmly. They had an air. Their, you know, the energy around them was just very serene. They smiled at him, and they, you know, they began to to uh, laugh, and they clapped, and they said, "Oh, that looked like so much fun! What a good trick!" And immediately, the little boy began to laugh. What the parents did is they set a productive frame from which he could operate. 
And we can do that with everyone we meet, whether it's just with a simple smile or how we look at them or the energy we, we communicate to them or, you know, whatever it happens to be. But the key also is to be able to, to reset the frame if someone comes to the conversation in a way that is, is not healthy, that's not happy, that's not productive. And, you know, for, for example, let's say, and we'll, we'll just put this in the sales vernacular uh, for a moment if we can. Uh, let's say uh, we're about to do a sales presentation for a woman and you know, to show her our product or service. And for whatever reason it is, she's kind of defensive. You know, who knows, maybe she's had a bad experience with a salesperson or she doesn't trust her own self to not, you know, buy or, or whatever. I mean, whatever it is. And so that's a, so she kind of brings a defensive frame or a little bit of an angry frame. Now, if we buy into that frame and we operate from that premise, that frame, now we're kind of in a uh, an adversarial type of situation. So instead, let's reset the frame. And it might be as simple as beginning our presentation by saying, uh, you know, Mary, while we've been able to help a lot of people with this product, whether or not it's the right solution for you, we simply can't know without exploring deeper and determining whether it meets your needs. So uh, please know our conversation is for both of us to discover this. And if it does, great. If not, that's okay too. So what we've done is we've reframed this from two adversaries <laughs> to two allies who are simply seeking the right solution for the customer. Well, I, I love that uh, powerful thing. Um, we, we say often that we stop trying to uh, make something right or set it right, and we transform into the ability to see it right. Mm -hmm. Because like you're saying, you know, when two people are determined to have it the way they want it, uh, the the unfortunate part is the synergy gets blocked because often a third way is really longing to reveal itself. And uh, that's when it gets to be, you know, really rich and, um, and, and pretty wonderful. An employee came here and she was very new here and she said, you know, um, we would save a lot within our budget if we would stop making these big welcome books. And I'm like, what do you mean? These welcome books and people copy them and they use them, you know, in other centers and uh, they're very impressive. And it took us years to get there. And she went, yeah. And if we did it like this and we did it like that and we did it that way, do you know what I mean? She really just kept saying, and I went, oh, okay. But it's like it wasn't that we had them and didn't have them. It was that another whole new idea was able to create itself mm -hmm. that wound up to be so much more profound. Uh, people, it was much more user friendly, um, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, um, I love that. I, I love that. And I, I love that practice and, and urge all of you listening to to work at improving that principle because it's a very healthy way to live because you get to see a lot of things that you don't know yet. Mm, thank you.
And, you know, you, you brought up a point, uh, in, a wonderful point in terms of in this last example, because one of the things we say, because people ask, well, you know, when you talk about influence, are you really talking about compromise? And what we say is, while, of course, there's a, a time and place for compromise, that's really not the first option we want people to take because as one of the uh, as one of the mentors in the story uh, tells their protege uh, compromise the word compromise comes from the ancient greek for nobody gets what they want and everyone ends up miserable now that's not of course what it actually means in the old greek but it might as well because by the very nature of compromise both parties are giving up something that they want in order to kind of have a you know a short term go along to get along type of thing so by its very nature compromise is lose lose what we want people to aim for is collaboration because collaboration is a win win collaboration means both parties through looking at it through the other person's eyes and looking at how they can bring value to the others they create a bigger pie uh, it's where you know collaboration is one plus one equals three, and both parties come away better off than they were before, which I think you did beautifully in that last example. And it's a practice, isn't it? And and oh, it for those of you tuning in, going, God, this sounds so impressive, but how do you get there? It's a practice. It's uh, th that's the beautiful thing about life. It gives us opportunities mm -hmm. to keep getting better at something. If we're willing, you know, to to participate in it. Yes. Oh, exactly. And you know, fortunately, it it really it can be just practiced while you're living life. <laughs> uh, you know, there aren't a whole lot of things to remember other than just really staying conscious, which is something that I think for all of us, we, you know, most of us have to practice. Uh, I know I have to practice on a continual basis, just being consciously aware uh, of what's happening. And I, I think as long as we do that, we're, you know, we're always on the right track. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I love the principles of this book. It's They're just very powerful. Oh, thank you so much. And, you know, so, oh, go ahead. Um, no, you go ahead, please. No, I was going to say just, you know, one of the one of the principles we talk about, which sort of brings it home, is, is about tact, you know, speaking to people with tact. And it reminds me that my, my dad has always defined tact as the language of strength. And I've always enjoyed that definition because to me, it really it takes strength to not just kind of react to what someone says, right? To not just fire back an email with nastiness, you know, because someone said something you didn't like or to make that comment on on uh, uh, the snarky comment on social media or to say something to a family member that you're going to regret. Uh, it, it takes strength to be able to kind of pause for a moment and to say, okay, is what I'm about to say going to hurt or harm this relationship? Is it going to build this other person up or is it going to knock them down? And when I think of tact, you know, tact is the, is the ability to communicate an idea to someone that they might ordinarily not enjoy, but doing it in such a way that not only is the person not defensive toward you and resistant to your ideas, but they're open to you and they're more accepting of your ideas. And when you can do that, you know, that's, that's really a strength and it really accounts for a lot of influence.
And it, it can um, impact people that will change their lives forever or or it gives them an opportunity that because you were you didn't cheat them from the ability to share. Mm. Um, it's like you were saying earlier about with the compromise, uh, that means there's no win whatsoever, uh, whereas it's there's the shades of gray. And I think often people say, well, I don't want to come across negative. So they don't come across at all. <laughs> uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. That's, right? that's another one of those. They, uh, or I don't want to, um, you know, I don't want to be too aggressive. And, and, and truth is stern. You know, truth has depth and meaning. Um, and I know that you have some good things to say about that. Well, I mean, I just think you what what you said. I just I just loved it that you know if they they don't think they can come across a certain way, so they don't come across at all. And I mean that's self defeating uh, behavior, and it it doesn't help us grow, and it doesn't help us learn. So like I said, that that's another one of those uh, Reverend Temple quotes that I can uh, uh, a Reverend Templeism we'll call it. And uh, that, well, that it's it you know I I think of my own path and being surrounded by so many people that were either quite passive or are quite aggressive. And I've, I've come to realize that when we don't share, you know, what's up or what's on our heart or, or we don't come across with tech, we do. We, we're really, we're cheating two people, ourselves and, and someone else. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and, and the world is better when we're really open. willing to be open. Yeah. Exactly. That's and that is the giving and receiving part. You know, that's the part where we breathe out and we also breathe in. And uh, unfortunately, sometimes people think it's one or the other, <laughs> and that's where you know giving and receiving, just like the tide comes in and it goes out. Uh, we breathe out carbon dioxide. We breathe in oxygen, and that's life. It's a it's a principle of life. It's light. It's nature. And, uh, and so, yes, when we, when we kind of hold back on things, whether it's holding back from, from giving because we don't have the confidence in ourselves to believe we're adding value, or when we hold back from receiving and we deny someone else the right to give value, you know, each of those ends up unintentionally uh, being a negative instead of a positive. That's very true. Um, Bob, give us a couple of examples, because uh, I, I love the stories that you've been sharing. Um, I'm sure you're already getting feedback from this great book. Um, how have these principles impacted people in a way that they're going, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm so grateful uh, to learn what it really means to be an influencer? We have had people already uh, sharing that it's made a difference in their marriage. Uh, uh, in fact, one one a host of a of a, a podcast I was on said right on the air that it it uh, uh, the the part about letting go of having to be right was something that she felt that she needed to work on in her marriage, and that this and that that particular principle really has helped her already. And we just you know John and I both. Uh, uh, enjoy, uh, you know, receiving that. And, you know, it's funny when someone talks about it helping their marriage. I'm, I'm not married, so I can't, you know, John and his wife, Anna, have a, a wonderful marriage. And so, um, you know, that's always something. But I always feel kind of like, gee, 
do I have the right to accept that compliment? <laughs> Since I'm not married, okay, I'll, I'll receive it. I'll receive it with joy. <laughs> well, you may be able to receive it even better at times because you can be more objective. Right. You, know? you, you can hear it from an entirely different angle. Yeah, yeah. But it's I just you know there's nothing and you know you're you're an, you're an author and as a reverend you you know you you give a message every week that that is always touching people's lives and when someone when someone tells you something specific about what something you said or something you wrote and, and how it made a difference in their life there's just no no better feeling. No, uh, there isn't. You know, I always say, okay, there's five more years I commit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just, it, well, it doesn't take much, you know, and I always urge people, um, not related to me, but to other people, you know, to always be willing to share to people um, something they said or something they did, whether it's a member of your family or an author or anyone, hey, you know, because this happened you know, it, it really impacted me or it went on to change me or I didn't quit the habit last week, but I did it this week, you know, whatever. Um, and, because I think often people think, well, they hear that all the time. You know, that person, they probably hear it or they probably already know it. Don't make that assumption mm-hmm. um, because that is part of that go giver, you know, mentality. I, I think of uh, related to I. I haven't traveled as many years and as many times as you have in hotels, but as a trainer, healthcare speaker, motivational speaker, blah, blah, you know, I, I'm mindful of when I'm passing people or people cleaning the rooms or all those things. If it's true is to say, thank you so much for your giving energy, you know, and you're making my stay so much better and I really appreciate it. And, and you wonder how how little they ever hear those kind right. of things right. that, that matter. And it, it's a consciousness about, um, I always say that is to the level we're excited about life is equally and simultaneously the level that life is excited about us. Oh. And I, I, I think that um, to hold that space of looking for the good or looking for the amazing is... Um, it, it's life-altering. Oh, it, it absolutely is, and you know, I mean, I just I smile as I as I hear you saying that because you know when we think about the number of people who just aren't acknowledged, and then you know for what they do, and then when we thank them, uh, when we. Uh, you know, it's it's when you when you when you leave a, a tip for the person cleaning your room, but underneath you on the uh, paper you draw a smiley face with the words "thank you." Um, you know, that's an extra step that we can take. That who knows if that you know how much that means to someone who just usually isn't thanked. Uh, sure, when you leave a bigger tip, that's that's a nice thing that means a lot to them, and that's great. But that that thank you means the world. It's an acknowledgement. It's an acknowledgement of who they are and what they do and the great, great contribution they make to the joy of your, your stay. Imagine staying in a horribly kept room, right? You know, And so uh, there's so many people who are just not thanked. And this is something that everyone can do. Everyone can give. They can always be giving thanks to others. Um, 
not just mentally. I'm mentally is good to give thanks, to always live in gratitude, absolutely. But that physical act of thanking a person, especially one who's usually not thanked, although there's no reason not to thank everyone you can, but especially someone who's, you're, you're bringing energy to life that otherwise may not be there. That's very powerful. Uh, kind of our our premise of so much is please don't hold back. <laughs> Give right. it while you can, right. you know, and and realize that your your tomorrow's uh, uh, could never come. You know, mm-hmm. today's the day to start putting some of this in motion. Well, I just want to say on behalf of this incredible author and and approachable enlightened person named Bob Berg is that to know this material go to thegogiver.com and get engaged with this information it's something that you can offer uh, your family your friends their great uh, presence you can offer it in your corporate world um, sometimes if you're working in corporate America and you are just sitting back and wishing something changed, uh, give these to managers and, and people that are the influencers uh, because they're just great principles that you have in your, your everyday uh, workplace. And there's such a small line between, um, well, spirituality is everything, you know, um, that's for sure. You can't separate it, but in languaging, um, b- business and, and the corporate world really needs the influence of, um, of more evolution and, and more change for sure. Um, Bob, it, it's just always such a pleasure to talk with you. And, uh, is there a next book? Are we doing a movie? I mean, you're always <laughs> up to something what's, uh, going on that we can follow you or know more about your doing what you're doing. You know, right now, Reverend Temple, uh, we're just really working at at promoting this book and getting the word out about it and and building an audience for it and having a lot of fun doing that. So, you know, my business partner, Kathy Tajanel, and I have our our, uh, uh, Go-Giver Entrepreneur Workshops, and we have a you know, our certified speaker program and those things that we continue to do and have a lot of fun with. But, you know, no no new projects on the horizon. So for a while, I, I kind of want to say uh, everything's the same, only more so. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. More of the same and, and more so. Uh, Bob, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank all of you for your listening ear today and for forwarding the show to others that you feel will make an impact. It's just such a pleasure to have you. I'm Temple Hayes signing off. Visit me at templehayes.com. God bless you on this amazing journey we call life. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hey, it's Radley Valentine. Join me for a brand new way of connecting with your angels on my new podcast, The Angel Tarot Show. Each week, you'll meet your angelic guides and guardians and find new ways to unlock unconditional love, tune into your intuitive abilities, and create the joy-filled life that, well, you've always wanted. Plus, you'll get a useful and timely energetic weather report bringing you guidance for the coming week. Tap into the healing, hope, 
and guidance that's all around you on the Angel Tarot Show, exclusively on mindbodyspirit.fm.